Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992 the 1994 premiers premiers the 2018 AFL premiership team the west coast eagles g'day everyone welcome to the big footy eagles podcast and of course, we will preview this Saturday's clash between the West Coast Eagles and Geelong. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week, please welcome back to the show, it's Mr. KK. How are you going? Good. Glad to be here. Yeah, let's get into uh, one of our bogey sides and hopefully we can uh, turn the corner this time. Bogey side, a bogey venue, but definitely a big week to get an important victory. Also joining us to recap a victory we've just seen, to preview one we're about to see, please welcome Miguel Sanchez. Miguel, how's things? Yeah, good. Yeah, always good after a win. And um, yeah, extra good after a Collingwood win. Yeah, they just hit a little bit different. We've uh, we've owed them one for a couple of wins at Optus, so nice to get our own back in uh, in nice fashion, professional fashion. We will dive into that game very, very shortly. Uh, but guys, before we begin, a bit of a plug, and it's a different announcement this week. We're not plugging social media. We are plugging a live call. We are back this year, this week, in fact, with the live broadcast. So basically, if you're sick of commentary, you're sick of Vic commentators who don't know the Eagles players, who don't give us the time of day, well, we're here to help. All you do, you mute your television, follow a link that we'll send out, and basically you can watch along as we call the game. So if you're driving somewhere, you want to listen to a radio, listen to us. If you're watching the game and you want to piss off BT, mute him, listen to us. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. That is where the link will be. Crucially, the commentary will not be broadcast live on the podcast app that you're using to listen to this. So make sure you follow us on socials and uh, you'll get that link. We'd be very grateful to have you along for the ride. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it'll be very, very biased, very pro-Eagles, a really good way to enjoy the game. West Coast Eagles, 16 goals, 7, 103, defeated Collingwood, 11, 10, 76. A bit of a shocking start, or certainly a mild start, let's say that. But the Eagles finally kicked things into gear, got a professional win. They kind of let go of the rope a little bit at the end, but we'll dive into that. Off the top, though, gents, some three-word reviews. James says whole team performance, and Matthew said third-quarter specialists. Meanwhile, Rod said that the Eagles papered over cracks, and Bart thinks we've missed a percentage booster. Annette said we're flying high. Paul thinks the tall forwards rock. Tyler said Oscar's my dad, so g'day, Tyler. That's a bit interesting. Our very own Keys said who needs smalls, and Brent said play Witherden more. Miguel... It was a bit of an up-and-down game, but we got the result. We wrote it out in the end, and let's start with your overall views of the game, and let's also start with Witherden, because a very impressive way to make your debut in the blue and gold. Yeah, and you left out my three-word review there, which was um, welcome aboard Witherden, I think. There you go. He was yeah, he was really impressive. Um, was an odd game. I watched the replay back uh, during the week, and it's probably the most I think I've ever um, had the experience of watching a replay and, and thinking... That there's a whole heap in this game that I didn't notice or that I um, observed it completely differently. Um, there was a few players that I sort of I'd either hadn't noticed them uh, from the stands or I'd thought they'd played a bad game and then um, watching back on the replay and I sort of 
got a, a better understanding of of what they'd done. Main difference I thought watching it back was that at the ground it felt we were pretty comfortable for most of the night, and watching it back I thought we probably only really put them away uh, in the last sort of probably two minutes of that third quarter when she'd went nuts. Uh, and before that, it was fairly close. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, they sort of pegged it back and made it close again. But um, yeah, it was an odd odd game. We probably lost a few of the uh, – it was either really close or we lost a few of the, the important stats. Um, had eight less inside 50s. Uh, hitouts were pretty much even. Uh, we won the clearances. We lost the contested possessions. So that means that we really badly lost that, uh, what is it, ground ball gets or post-clearance contested possessions. That's the really important stat that we never do well in. Difference, I think, for us was that we were a lot better of taking advantage of our periods of, uh, of dominance around the ground and um, we were really efficient going inside forward 50, which was due to our key forwards going nuts in the air, um, particularly Alan and Darling, of course, who kicked uh, 10 between them. Uh, and that little purple patch that she had. So it felt like a really solid win, but th- there's some indicators there that are a bit worrying, and it might have been a different game altogether if uh, if Collingwood hadn't lost Howe and Dugowie in the first half, and uh, if Buckley hadn't insisted for some reason on keeping Darcy more for Oh, my when, God. What and, was that about? Uh, Kennedy, we had Kennedy, Darling and Allen all clunking marks, and they kicked 11 goals between them, and they left Darcy Moore catching a cold down the other end. So... Could have been a very different game, but nice to get the win, nice to get the win over Collingwood. But, yeah, not I'm not as buoyant coming out of that one as I was coming out of the Port Adelaide game. Just quickly, you mentioned catching something different when you watched the replay rather than watching it live. That was the one thing that stuck out for me, and the commentators did go to great lengths to point it out. But what the hell was he doing? In that second quarter, Allen was clunking everything, Darling's getting on yeah. a big roll, Kennedy, you know, he started to get a bit fired up. They sent... Waterman down there to really stretch them as well. They had Quainor on Waterman and Quainor on Allen, and, uh, and instead Main, Maynard on Darling in the second half. Just um, bizarre, yeah. and then yeah, Moore's out there just waiting for anything to come his way down in the in the other end. Very very strange. Um, Miguel, yeah, you mentioned Witherden there, and you said he, he had a nice game in your three word review. KK, I'll bring you in here, and we can have a little bit of a chat about the debutant because this is a guy that we brought in effectively to replace Shannon Hearn. And he's come in in unfortunate circumstance with Hearn being injured, but he's done it in, in really spectacular fashion. 30 disposals and a couple of inside 50s to go with it. Lots of aggressive kicking. Pretty much goods exactly as advertised from Alex Witherden. He was fantastic, yeah. I like the way that when he came into the club, we made him earn his spot. I think that's that's a good good sort of lesson to have. And he seemed to take that on the chin and worked at his game in the waffle and earned his position in the team. And he was, yeah, really fantastic. Gave us a lot of drive. At the back, his ball use was great. He had a, he's got a bit of mongrel about him. He seems um, a bit of that Jackson Nelson likes getting stuck in, and that's always always good to have in a small defender. So yeah, a really pleasing debut for him. I'm not that sold on the possession numbers um, when you when you're getting the possession for kicking the ball in from a behind, which pretty much everyone plays on 100% of the time these days. That's mm. uh, it's fairly easy to rack him up. But what he did do was yeah, really really impressive, and I liked his his physicality as well. Well, they kicked 10 behind, so even if you say he kicked in all of them, you take that away, he still found 20 touches in, in the old stat keeping, I suppose, so linked up pretty well and got involved. Miguel, we can talk about the backs for a little while if you'd like, but I would really honestly rather talk about the forwards, and I'm saying this as somebody that often loves to give a lot of love to the defenders. You, you touched on it there, 10 goals between Darling and Allen, 
Who do you want to talk about first? Who do you want to talk about more? These are two WA guys that look to be leading our forward line for the next little while in Darling's case and, and for hopefully a very, very long time in Alan's case. Yeah, both West Perth uh, players as well. So anyone who's a West Perth fan, you can um, you can crow about that a bit. Probably Alan's the most exciting. I um, thought he had the, uh, the better rounded game. It's consistent throughout. Darling had that real um, hot period in, what, the second quarter? I think he kicked four of his five goals then. It was good for the rest of the game, but um, yeah, he sort of he headed up at one stage and Alan was sort of just a more consistent performance throughout, I thought. Um, most pleasing thing about the two of them, apart from clunking the marks, was I think they each got a kick from a chase-down tackle on a smaller defender uh, to get them holding the ball. Uh, Alan opened the scoring with one of those on, on Chris Main and um, sent him to the bench with some bruised feelings or, or something. <laughs> and um, and yeah, Darling got Quainor, uh must have been, I suppose, the was that the final quarter, second quarter, second probably quarter. one of his goals. In the yeah, it was quarter. one of his yeah, down the it. other end. Yeah, um, but yeah, when you've got, you know, there's all the concerns about us playing too many bigs, but when you've got bigs that can uh, that show that sort of agility and and pressure, uh, then it's uh, it's more of a strength than a weakness. So, yeah, that was really pleasing. We know we were a bit weak in the small forward department, and not a lot of them hit the scoreboard, but there were some good performances, I suppose. Langdon was quite busy even though he was he was a bit fumbly uh, and a bit concrete hands Cripps uh, he was one that I noticed on the replay that I, at the game I thought he'd been really quiet but uh, on the replay he had some uh, some really good involvements and some of his kicking was really good particularly in that first half uh, he did fade out of it a bit in the second half but uh, yeah we've got a, a bit of uh, a bit of a depth issue with the small forwards at the moment but yeah Cripps and Langdon were all right and we might see uh, Jones come back in uh, as well, he had a, a really good waffle game. So, yeah, a bit to like in that forward line. KK, who needs small forwards when you've got premiership-winning heroes just going on a tear, NBA jam levels of getting on fire there, just banging in the goals for fun? Dom Sheed pretty much brought most of the three-word reviews himself here because Kane says Collingwood's nightmare Sheed. Chris said Sheed twists knife. Greg says Sheed bakes pies. I like that one. Matt, very simply, Sheed, Sheed, Sheed. And Sean says Dead Eye Dom. An awesome burst to finish the third quarter. Collingwood would be having absolute nightmares. They'd have fits every time they see this guy is set to play against them. That's about as much fun as you can have at the footy, watching Dom Sheed just cook the pies like that. Yeah, I kind of think how I'd feel if I was a Collingwood fan and uh, someone else from another club just was burning us over and over again. I'd be melting pretty hard. Who's ours? Who's ours? Do we have someone? I'd be really dirty if I was a Collingwood fan. (laughs) Shower all the time. Uh, That's low-hanging fruit. Who is ours? I don't know. Um, we have like random guys bob up. Like yeah. Jason Davenport at Port Adelaide is gone now, but he just just, <laughs> just just this random guy that would pop up and like kick four goals against us. Fair enough. G'day, Jason, if you're listening. Sorry, KK. Dom Shade. Yeah, he's, he's a legend. Um, yeah, he's really grown into the season. Well, he's been solid uh, from, from round one. He's had to step up in the absence of uh, Shuey and, and Yo and, and Gaff sort of being a bit down. And he's really taken his game to another level. He's always... Loved a goal. He's a gets yeah, a really accurate finisher inside fifty, and it's uh, it's not that common a skill amongst midfielders. But he, he really is a, a fantastic finisher, demon left foot, and yeah, that was nice. That was uh, getting back to the kind of flat track bully stage. That that five minute patch where every time the ball went in fifty, we were just pumped through a goal, and yeah, loved it. But his his all round game has been really good. If we could just and teach him to tackle, he'd be a really complete midfielder. Hopefully he works on that. But the rest of his game is coming along magnificently. His, his clearance work with Nick Nat's been great um, all season as well. 
Nick Nat there, I reckon, grew into the game a little bit because Grundy was getting away in that first quarter. Some of it with Nick on the bench, some of it not, but sneaking forward and, and stretching the Eagles' defense in a way that they weren't really tested like for the rest of the game. Miguel, we've given some love to the forwards. Let's give some love to the backmen. In fact, let's give some love to the backman turned midfielders because Jackson Nelson is a tagger now, or a cooler, I guess I should say. We saw him go to Bontempelli a few weeks ago. Now he's gone to Pendlebury almost right from the start. He had side bottom as well for patches. Pretty ineffective days from those guys. And, and we've seen, well, certainly in reading the Pies board after the game, they're saying, oh, these guys are sort of on the decline. They're not quite the superstars we remember. But certainly to me, at least as somebody that has followed Collingwood loosely as a neutral team sort of thing, these are still the guys for me that you need to shut down to stop that engine room. So another nice job as the tagger from Jackson Nelson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with um, with Taylor Adams out and Trelaw gone, yeah, they were definitely the prime movers. So, um, yeah, obviously identified by Simo as the most important guys. And, yeah, Nelson was another one that I um, sort of I had completely the wrong idea about watching it at the ground and uh, it wasn't until some people corrected me in one of the threads and then I watched uh, watched back the replay. I thought he um, he was playing on crisp. And what it was, was he was lining up in the forward line in the 666. He yeah. was starting off forward and then running in, which we've done that a lot this year. We've had sort of a forward pushing up and becoming an extra midfielder. So it was um, sort of killing two birds with one stone that our forward running up to be the extra midfielder was also being a tagger or a cooler or whatever. Um, so, yeah, really um, intelligent use of, of Nelson in that role. And uh, the other thing it did as well was it shifted Duggan back uh, into defence and he had an absolute ripper of a game. Not just the, the fact that he had 37 disposals or whatever it was, but it used it really well. He was really composed. He didn't sort of take the first option and pass the heat on to to you know, the next guy on the line. He sort of he held on to the ball and he considered his options. And, yeah, he had a lot of score involvements as well. So... One thing coming into the season, I suppose, was that we were pretty excited about what Duggan could do in the midfield, but I'm starting to think he stays down back now because he seems to really thrive when he's sort of he's coming up and meeting the ball rather than being around it all the time. Uh, and he's yeah, he's been a really good presence down there uh, the times he has gone back. KK, one thread that we've seen pulled out throughout the Eagles season and indeed over the last couple of years since since the flag, I think, is that inability to really bury teams and really put them away. Now, I've fallen on different sides of this argument depending on who we're playing, depending on how the game's unfolded. But certainly, even for me, you know, I'm somebody that sort of defended them not burying Port Adelaide to some ridiculous historic margin. For me, this felt like a missed opportunity. They started down 40-25 to 25 they trailed with, with about 17.30 left in the second quarter. So pretty early on in the second quarter, they're down by 15 from that point on, the Eagles outscored the Pies 87 to 36, which looks great until you realize they probably outscored them, you know, 80 to 15 or something like that. It, the Pies got on a bit of a roll late. Is this one that you think we might look back on towards the end of the year and think, oh, geez, could we have not stopped the Pies just kicking a couple and, and really made this one to remember? I hope not because it's been a familiar theme in our finishing positions the last couple of years. I think it's three times in five years we missed top four on percentage. Um, it's not going to hurt as much as the capitulation against St Kilda mm. but yeah I agree with you the the Port game we were beating them by six goals is a pretty good result um, Collingwood on the other hand they're not traveling that well they lost a couple of guys during the game and there really wasn't an excuse for not for letting them get those goals at the end and absolutely I think we will pay for it um, come the end of the season we're already 
uh, to having to make up a couple of games on the, the teams at the top of the ladder, and every little bit helps. So I was a bit on on board with the the melts at quarter time of that game, just uh, given how terrible we were against St Kilda, and you would expect a response. And the first quarter was just more of the same crap, but to the credit, they turned it around big time. Second, third quarter was absolutely brilliant. And then just, yeah, let themselves down at the end. And I hope I'm, I'm wrong and it doesn't come back to bite us. Maybe we'll draw with Geelong and it won't matter. Heroes and Villains time for the week. Thank you to everybody who sent in theirs through Twitter, through Facebook, at WCEBFpod. Couple of nominations here. Uh, Ray Chamberlain got a nomination from James as villain of the week. The commentary got a nomination from Paul, which is really nice to hear, given that we've got the uh, the live call coming up. I hope you can join us, Paul. The new version of the Eagles song. Now, this one had a lot of nominations. This might be one for another day, but this was uh, a popular theme this week, knocking the new version of the song. And a couple of mentions for ScoMo as well. He got a nice reception by the Eagles fan. A few people uh, had a little bit to say about that. Miguel, do you have a Villain of the Week nomination for us? Uh, well, I had two, but one of them was the Birds of Tokyo song. Yeah, I just I can't get on board with singing that after a win. I like the verses that they've added. I like the, the lyrics to that, but the music's just wrong for the, the setting of, you know, a, a big raucous crowd sing-along team song. Uh, and yeah, we've, we've gone over that, so... Uh, my other nomination was uh, the West Australian newspaper, which um, surprisingly I don't think they've been nominated yet, considering they're one of my favourite punching bags. Uh, but um, apparently Ben Cousins going to watch a Queen's Park Ammos game uh, on the weekend is uh, worthy of a mention on the front page of Monday's paper, which just pisses me off. The, the bloke retired over a decade ago, played his last game for Richmond. He's had some obviously very public personal demons to deal with in that time, just leave him alone to live his life. There was a photo doing the rounds from the Collingwood game. I think he was at the game. It was the first time he'd been to an Eagles game in years from what I could gather. My first thought was, well, that's Photoshopped because obviously that can't be him, but it turns out it is him. We all hope he's doing well. I think we can probably, we don't need to chat about it. That No Ben Cousins story is going to be a good story for a while. So let's just, you know, leave him to live his life and uh, hopefully we start hearing some good news a little bit down the track. But the fact that he's, you know, resurfaced in society, I don't think he's... Uh, Headline front page news for me either, so copy that, Miguel. I agree with that one. KK, who uh, who was your villain of the week? Any nominations for us? Yeah, I've got one that I thought Miguel might have had because he highlighted it to me on Twitter. VFL fixturing. So <clears throat> the VFL in their wisdom and the AFL, because um, they run the VFL, fixturing the seconds competition to align with the AFL teams to help, to basically ease the burden. Yeah, thanks on behalf of the SA and WA teams for us up in the process because we don't have any of that delightful help from our state leagues and AFL makes it worse by scheduling at least the WA sides constantly on Sundays so we've got no chance to play our unused medical subs or emergencies because they have to be held out of the seconds game so that really annoys the shit out of me. A quick one for BT, he did pretty well, I think he got well into the second half before the inevitable Josh Rotham, Jared Brandon mix up. I'll keep it simple. Jared Brander, black boots. Josh Rotham, white boots. You don't need to be Jackson Nelson, footy boot nerd to pick that out <laughs> during a game. It's pretty damn obvious. This is good Brander advice. Had the, um, Brander had this sort of army haircut, the really short around the sides as well that he was sporting on the weekend. That's how I was telling him apart. There's a bit to chat about with Jared Brander. We might get into it a little bit later when we talk about the midfield dynamic, but... 
uh, the the boot differential is very good to notice because it's difficult. It is difficult to call them apart when you're uh, when you call on the game and to absolutely expect a few branders for Rothams or Rothams for branders. I think we actually had a Rotham for Vardy or a brander from Va- for Vardy from memory. They're quite different. They're, now that was catastrophic. That one was no good. Uh, or Rotham's the one with mass- massive stitches in his head as well now. So yeah. best of luck to Josh on that one. Any more for us, KK? Uh, no, I'll stick with that. All right. Well, I'll piggyback off your nomination of the VFL slash AFL from a fixturing perspective. We've discussed at length, the Vicks always get the marquee games. This we know. Anzac Day. It's Collingwood. It's Essendon. It's always been Collingwood and Essendon. Why the f*** are they both wearing the blackest of black jerseys that you've ever seen? The jumpers are indistinguishable. They've got these faint little Anzac Day-themed patterns on them. It's meant to look like a sash and the stripes, you know, pretty iconic jumper design from those clubs. Doesn't look like it. They're dull. You can't see them. So basically, gents, we're going to watch Anzac Day footy and we're going to watch a team with a black jumper on in black shorts and a team with a black jumper on with white shorts, and they are genuinely hoping that that is all we need to tell the difference. Absolutely shocking. Who could have foreseen this? Uh, Some Hero of the Week nominations just to pivot and get things back on the positivity train, I suppose. We had a lot for Redden, a lot for Sheed, a couple for Duggan, and Kay also pointed out that she liked Oscar Allen's game. I don't think you're alone there, Kay. A fantastic game from Oscar Allen. For me, Hero of the Week, gents, Jake Waterman. His celebration after Oscar Allen's mark it was Mark of the Week, I think, or it certainly got nominated. Ripping Mark, followed up with a goal. The real highlight in that for me is Jake Waterman. Go back and watch the footage. There is behind the goals angle. Jake Waterman sees it the whole way in, and the second Allen completes the mark, he's got full wingspan. He's sprinting from the center square to get there first. Love the team spirit. Love your work, Jake Waterman. Miguel? Um, I had Waterman as well. Different reason. Uh, didn't kick a goal on the weekend, but had uh, a hand in all three of Sheed's goals. Two of them he gave directly off to Sheed. Uh, one, he, he had a possession a little bit further up the chain. Uh, he gave the ball off to Kelly uh, for Kelly's goal uh, early in the first quarter. Just um really unselfish game from him from a forward forward perspective and he yeah, didn't think he got enough plaudits. Thought he played really, really well in his uh, second game back after uh, some inf- uninformed uh, punters had him uh, going out on the weekend. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't read about it. No. I'm sure they'll be queuing up to name themselves. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, I had the Optus crowd for booing uh, ScoMo as well as um, as respectfully applauding Howe as he came from the ground, um, which I thought would get more of a, a run uh, in the media than it did. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised. I um, thought it would but... get a run, but for the wrong reason, because we applauded him going off, but he hadn't yet made it to the bench by the time the goal was kicked, and he crossed no. he crossed the boundary as the goal was kicked and the crowd went up. And I thought, oh, shit, uh, that, that's coming back to us. <laughs> uh, no, I thought they did really well and yeah, booing ScoMo. So, uh, yeah, winning back some brownie points there. Uh, and a um, bit of a random one, but uh, whoever at the club designed the graphic at the start with the flapping eagle, they show in the in the countdown to the first bounce. I love it. I think it's the best thing they've, they've done. It's really schmick. Uh, it's uh, the opposite of the Birds of Tokyo songs. So, yeah, um, nomination to that person, whoever it is. And a bit of a shout-out to the inflatable eagle head. Nice to see you back. KK, your Heroes oh, of yeah, the Week. Good to have that back. I think all the Eagles ones have been covered, so I'll, I'll throw one from non-Eagles and non-football. European Super League proponents. Like, I haven't laughed so much um, <laughs> for a long time with all that. I'm muting myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was sure Badger was going to bring this one up. We don't have the six hours for me to talk about soccer. You're All you boys, I'm muting. Uh, but, um, yeah, just haven't laughed so much in ages. And probably the AFL would be loving it. If you ever want someone to make the AFL look like they're in touch with the fans, just um, have a look at those clowns. <laughs> yeah. 
absolute gold. And they, but you never know. Um, seeing the likes of Melbourne and Bulldogs at the top of the ladder and Collingwood, Essendon down the their own, there might be. It might come to AFL. Who knows? We'll jump on board. There was a story. There was a story in the Age that um, they they dug up from 1984, I think, where uh, the uh, the Victorian teams that weren't in debt went to the AFL and said, basically, uh, this is our plan to leave you guys and join a national competition because we don't want to be saddled with the the teams that are in debt. Uh, and that led to some pretty quick changes and um, and getting some sucker team in from Western Australia and getting them to pay stupid amounts of money to avoid. Uh, avoid the split. So, uh, yeah, some parallels to the uh, the Australian football situation back in the 80s. I'm going to unmute myself just to say the difference is those were the teams that had run themselves responsibly and kept their finances in order. This was the exact opposite in soccer. These were the most debt-strapped clubs, clubs with a billion pounds worth of debt, just going, oh, shit, we've, we've really balls this up. Let's just borrow some bankers' money and, and piss off to another league. Anyway, I promise I won't start or I will never, ever stop. We need to name a Villain of the Week. We had a fair few nominations, so we definitely need to name a Villain of the Week. Miguel, from who we had, who pissed you off the most this week? I can't even remember who we nominated. No, um, this is the danger of doing it out of order. Yeah. Did you have Ray Chamberlain in there? Yeah, Just James continue. nominated Ray Chamberlain online, so a little bit of one there. The Birds of Tokyo one was also very prominent from our uh, our online nominations. Yeah, I don't want to bash them too much because they had the, they were in the right place, but or the, their uh, intentions were in the right place, but the execution's not great. Um, yeah, can I nominate re-nominate the West Australian? Yep, good. Vote for the West <laughs> Australian. KK, vote for myself. Uh, it's tough for me to call because I um I pretty much turned off as soon as the final whistle went, so I didn't hear the Birds of Tokyo song. But I'll jump on the bandwagon and nominate Birds of Tokyo. Unlucky. It's a good song. It's not a good footy song. Put it in a membership ad and I like it. Put it after the game and it's absolutely dreadful. I reckon just sheer weight of uh, public opinion here it has to go to Birds of Tokyo, unfortunately. But West Australian, watch yourself. You're in our sights. Uh, Heroes of the Week, Miguel, we've had a bit of a good field here. Red and Sheed, Duggan, Oscar Allen, a couple of nominations for Waterman for a few different reasons. Who do you think was the Hero of the Week? Yeah, um, I didn't mention Redden because you'd mentioned him, but uh, it was we sort of glossed over him a bit, uh, recapping the game. It was his 100th game, uh, his 200-and-something career game. Set a personal possession record with 37 or 38 or something. Um, probably his best game for us, uh, just apart from the disposals. I thought some of his tackling was huge. Uh, so, yeah, I'd give it to Redden or Waterman if it'll help break a tie. Yeah, kind of boring, but I'll... Back Miguel up on that one too. Just it's so rare to have an eagle perform in a milestone game and have the, the club perform in a milestone game. So on that alone, uh, Jack Redden. Jack Redden, Hero of the Week. West Coast Eagles versus Geelong, 11.45am Western Standard Time. It is at GMHBA Stadium. Gents, a stadium we have no love for. We have really no success at. We haven't won there since 2006 after a massive, massive comeback. Uh, as we said up top, we will be calling the game live, so we'd love to have you join us for that. Mute your TV, listen along, and uh, you can have live feedback as you go. You can send us messages, get involved. Pretty much just avoid having to hear anything positive about the Cats. But while we're previewing the game, we might as well do this on an even keel. And to do so, we need to make some changes. A few injuries since we last spoke. Ryan and Petch are out. Ryan's going to target week 11, round 11, to come back in. We've got Archie as a test. Kennedy as a test. Simo said he's available at this stage, but they're waiting to see. He might be rested. 
Tom Cole and Josh Rotham both tests after a very nasty-looking head clash. You'd expect them to get up. Shannon Hearn with the calf, more likely for the derby. Same goes for Petch, you'd say. Liam Ryan, six to eight weeks. And, of course, we've got Shuey and Yo, TBC. Miguel, a couple of changes. Some might be forced. We might see JK rest. What do you think is going to happen as the Eagles try to get a win in Geelong, finally? Uh, well, biggest issue at Geelong is um, we don't want to go in too tall, particularly if it's going to be uh, wet and windy, which uh, I think there's rain forecast and weather in Geelong is pretty much always shocking. There's this uh, vexed question of you know, do we play Vardy as the backup ruck? I think we've seen with Allen's performances when Vardy's in there and he's not having to ruck uh, that it's almost worth carrying Vardy just for that purpose. If, if nothing else, he's kicked... Um, Kicked eleven goals in three games that Vardy's played, and uh, and three three goals in the two games where uh, Vardy's been out, and he's had to ruck. So, I think we'd probably leave Vardy in. He's also, I suppose, got a bit of uh, local knowledge. I otherwise, wouldn't because of the height issue and the fact that Geelong don't have a great ruck division. Yeah, Kennedy. I mean, this is a game I sort of I would have circled coming into the season almost as you know this is a good opportunity to rest Kennedy. Uh, you know, from a, an away trip to Geelong, you know, never win there. Almost, you know, you're, you're not tanking the game, but just you know, say this is a trip we don't need Kennedy at. And given he's uh, he's hurt his ankle as well, uh, and the Collingwood player got rubbed out for that trip. Yeah, I would leave Vardy in and uh, take Kennedy out and bring in um, Jermaine Jones, who uh, responded to getting dropped by. Kicking two goals from twenty six touches, I think in the uh, in the waffle. So he was our he was our best uh, best performed player in the waffle. I think he's earned his spot back. He's also got a bit of local knowledge, uh, and he'll bring that pressure and uh, uh, and energy to the forward line and, and make us a bit smaller. So go in really with probably Darling, Allen, and Waterman playing as as the three tools. You know they're they're all uh, super athletic, so it's not going to hurt us being too tall. Play Vardy as the backup ruck. Uh, yeah, have Jones and, and Cripps around him. That's the main selection issue, I think. Um, I had Cole going out for Foley, but he seems like he's going to get up. Uh, if either of those defenders don't get up, then I think um, Foley's next cab off the rank. Uh, as I said earlier, I like leaving Duggan back and having Nelson playing sort of forward slash midfield and, and tagging, and he probably goes to someone like uh, like. Mitch Duncan, given that Dangerfield's out, and I suppose we'll talk about that. But yeah, Nelson to tag like a Duncan or or maybe Isaac Smith or or Guthrie or someone, but uh, tagging role again. And uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be making too many changes because uh, no one really stuck their hand up in the waffle. And um, the only players I thought probably that would be in in the gun were Langdon and O'Neill. They were probably the the two quiet quietest players and. They'd only just come in, and I really don't like this sort of yo-yoing. You know, bring a bloke in for a week, then drop him. Just you know, give him a couple of weeks to build up some um, continuity before you you start chucking him back to the waffle. So, yeah, give O'Neill another game, give Langdon another game, uh, and just make uh, that one change in uh, resting Kennedy. Beautifully summed up. Look, if Kennedy plays, I think the only change is Jones for Vardy. Uh, the Cats are second last in hitouts. Vardy had two touches on the weekend. He's playing 60% time on ground, 50% in other games, so it's not like it's a a runner or any sort of additional player. The one thing I like with Vardy, which you did touch on then, is that it allows Allen to stay permanently forward or at the very least swing back, you know, for some rare little passage of play, just follow his man down there, anything like that. But 
I really don't want to see Oscar Allen in the ruck anymore. He's a rolled gold superstar forward in the making. Leave him in the forward line. So yeah, I echo that. Jones in for Vardy or Jones in for Kennedy if he's rested. And yeah, Langdon, leave him to settle. He was almost there. He tried really bloody hard. He just wasn't clean. So maybe some continuity helps that out. And O'Neill again, quiet. But I'd like to see him backed in. And, and with where the midfield depth is at, I'm not racing to make any other changes just yet either. KK, your calls for our ins and outs on Saturday. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page as you guys. I, I don't think Kennedy's going to play just reading between the comments coming out of the club. Um, and I, I wasn't happy with how tall we were last week. I thought we got away with it. So, yeah, Jones comes in, um, Kennedy out, uh, which probably, yes, as I say, means we need to keep um, Vardy in there because Alan's going to have to spend the time on the forward line. Bailey Williams is available. I'd bring him in for Vardy. I, I don't think he could offer any less than, than Vardy is at the moment, apart from being a big body in the middle. And maybe even one from left field, if you pass the test, is um, Archie could could come in. If Richmond can get away with Ruckin, Marley and Pickett, then um, maybe Archie can take a few centre bounces against Geelong and we'll, we'll get away with only one Ruckman. So that's a bit of a left field option. But I, I expect it'll be, they'll play it simple and safe and it'll be Kennedy out and Jermaine Jones in. I like that Archie option. It's something we discussed in the past and I think it's something that's plausible if, and, you know, well, obviously he has to be available. But yeah, if you're coming up against sides that are basically forfeiting the ruck to Nick Nat anyway, might as well let all the other guys play to their strengths and, and pick somebody out of position. Gents, we touched on earlier, this is a ground we do terribly at. Now, it's a ground a lot of teams do terribly at. At one point, Geelong had the best home ground advantage in footy there, statistically. I think they won 90 out of a 100-game stretch quite recently. So they are a great side at home, but they're not a great side in 2021 just by a cursory look at it because you, th- you think they've got three wins on the board, one by a point, which shouldn't have done. They should have lost that one on an umpiring call. Uh, one by five points, and then they weren't particularly inspiring against North Melbourne, who were more or less rolling over at the moment for, for pretty much everybody. If not now, Miguel, when? When will we ever win at Geelong? I know we've got some outs, but the Cats have some outs as well, and they don't look to be in red-hot form. Even if Kennedy rests, even with no Shuey, even with no Yo, you've got Tim Kelly keen to make an impact going back to Geelong. You've got Nat Nui healthy. You've got Oscar Allen and Darling flying, even if Kennedy misses. If we don't beat the Cats this weekend in Geelong, when will we ever beat the Cats in Geelong? Yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully we don't give them a, a 54-point head start and try and reel it back in this time like our last win. Uh, yeah, they're, they're gettable. They're definitely gettable. Um, the form line's not great, which you you touched on. Um, yeah, that five-point win was over Hawthorne, who are, I think, their second last at the moment or third last. They weren't particularly convincing against North Melbourne, who are dead last and facing relegation. Um, oh, Jesus. That's a bloody cheap shot. Yeah, I know. We love cheap shots against North here. Um, yeah, they lost to Adelaide in the first week. Uh, their other loss was to Melbourne, who are doing quite well at the moment. But, yeah, the, the form line's pretty weak. Um, the uh, the breaking news, just as we started to record, was that uh, Dangerfield was being sent off for... Um, I think syndesmosis surgery or Correct. something. Yes. Um, so he's ruled out of this one. Um, that's quite handy. I suppose the other side of that coin is uh, Jeremy Cameron. I was going to say Jared Cameron. We're missing him. Um, Jeremy Cameron is coming in to play his first game for Geelong. Well, so hold your horses there, Miguel, because you talked was, about you talked about breaking news as oh, okay. recently so even, as this. Well, even more breaking news. 
I don't know if you want to categorize it news because it did come from Tom Brown. But Tom Brown says that this is not as done deal as it appears to be and uh, that they're still waiting to see if his hamstring gets up. Yeah, so Cameron, of course, yet to debut for the Cats having come across from the Giants. But he sent a tweet about 20-odd minutes ago. Let's Let's see what we got. Jeremy Cameron is in doubt to return this weekend. Chris Scott did indicate he will play post-game, which he, he did. He was very strong about that, said he was all good to go. But here we go. Here's Tom Brown again. Sources tell me they remain concerned his hamstring hamstring isn't 100%. It's definitely a wait and see. Tom Brown, not the best source in footy. I will readily admit that. But there is a chance that Cameron is not on the return just yet. Okie doke. Well, that's probably even better. Yeah, the, the issues we've got with uh, Cadenia Park or whatever they're calling it this week, um, we've got the shocking record there since 2000. We've only won that one game and uh, gave them a nine-goal head start. Particularly under Simpson, it doesn't uh, doesn't suit our style of play. It's quite narrow. So we like to you know, hug the boundary and you know, cross back and forth and really try and stretch out the opposition's defence. And that's just almost impossible with the, the narrow ground to pick those holes so if we do want to um, play that game we'd need to be uh, ultra precise with our kicking and um, and that's going to be tough because in the, the wet and the wind uh, also doesn't really suit our uh, land of the giants forward uh, or line up just across the field even if we drop um, drop Kennedy uh, Geelong have got uh, the defenders to match our forwards I think they've got Blitzarves back there Stuart um, Lockie Henderson's had a bit of a rebirth College Asney is about six foot four, spend some time back there. So they've got the bodies to match up on our guys. Um, so we can't just rely on on them dominating. So, uh, yeah, they're gettable, but it's, um, it's yeah, I wouldn't be um, putting the house on us uh, in any game at Geelong. But, yeah, this is certainly a good opportunity to try and break that hoodoo this year. KK, Miguel's just highlighted all the reasons why, uh, stylistically, this is not a great ground for us. You know, it's not too wide and the Cats don't really do well against teams kicking and marking they've done well to deny teams getting into those game plans but we've seen it as a game plan that's had success against them in the past if the eagles can't set it up what they're facing is a home team two in the afl in clearances the eagles last in the league in tackles we've seen them try to mix it up with port adelaide recently we've seen them have a bit of success against collingwood in the clearance figures but you know it's it's not really our game style we're more about forcing a turnover and, and patiently building from there so what do you expect out of the middle, given that you'd suggest Nick Nat's going to win most of the taps? Where does it go once it hits the deck? Yeah, I think our, our, our tackling's been a sore and weak point for far too long. Now, we really need to, to to bring that to meet them in that contested ball. Um, if we don't, it'll be a, a long, hard afternoon. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Geelong were, were that high on, on clearances, not having seen that, that much of their game, but I thought... If they were that high, they'd be a bit more impressive in converting that into winning scores than they have been. So in terms of the middle, it's a shame that we don't have a full-strength team and the guys we're missing. So if Kennedy's not there, we've got, what's that, four All-Australians and a Norm Smith medalist out off what's not a huge injury list to start with. So it's pretty uh, pretty rough. But I, I think we can match them in the middle. Um, I think the form of Sheed and Redden are in. Redden's going to be really important because he's going to have to beat them match physically and he's really up for that i like to see nelson and duggan sort of get stuck in there as well and o'neill's a bit down this week but maybe this is the game for him to to really stand up and um and sort of come of age so i, I think we'll match him in the middle i really do if uh if nat Nui dominates as we should and we get enough 
ball going forward. We know how dangerous our forward line is, even with the tools of, of Geelong. With quick ball, I, I don't think anyone really matches up very well against our, our forward line. And I think we'll get enough of that this week. Interesting tidbit for the game is that Joel Selwood can take over from Matt Prittis as the number one tackler in AFL history. Of course, Prittis making his debut in that 2006 comeback, Miguel. It's a team that we've seen, albeit they're up and down this year, three and two, and we've discussed maybe their wins aren't the greatest wins you've ever seen. But what they've done very well is come out of halftime firing. Geelong have yet to lose a third quarter this year, whereas for the Eagles, it's been the third quarters where the problem started against the Saints. Our third quarter against the Suns wasn't great. So, you know, how how the Eagles respond after the main break could go a very long way to deciding this one. Uh, Third quarter against Collingwood was um, excellent. Uh, I'm trying to remember back to the Port game. I think we the third had a quarter against Collingwood was pretty grim, to be honest. It was very back and forward and played in their territory. But then Dommy got on his bike. True. Um, we did. We held them to I think a point or two points. So True even enough. though yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we didn't control the territory in that game. We did control. Um, we, we did hold off their advances. So yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, whatever we're doing at uh, at half time, we're going to have to possibly look at that. Uh, the other thing about the preparation for this game is that the clubs are hiring a, I think, a Virgin plane to fly directly to Avalon rather than going to Tullamarine and then uh, taking the hour hour and a half long bus ride down to Geelong. So hopefully that'll uh, help the preparation a bit and uh, and get them in the right mindset to. Uh, try and put in a four-quarter performance. All right, guys. Well, we've all said it. If not this week, then when? We might as well go in now, get in our tips, hopefully be tipping the Eagles for a win uh, because, KK, as we've said, this is a great opportunity to get a little bit of a hoodoo off our back. And and if the Eagles win this week, they're 4-2. and They've got a, a bit of a statement win on the register, a close loss to the Dogs. All right, there's no excuse for the Saints game, but suddenly it's starting to look a little bit more real than not. So do you think that this is the week that the Eagles put that marker in the ground. Yes, yes I do. I, um, I'm the I'm the eternal Eeyore on these things, but I'm going to back the trend back the trend and say yeah, I think we will. I wish we had a full strength team. I'd I'd back us in what really heavily, but yeah, it, it just feels like they're they're there for the taking. They're not playing well. We can put a real kick in the guts to a to a good team and a team that could be could be dangerous come finals time. And yeah, I just I, I feel like it's going to be one of those one of those wins that'll really um, mean a lot when we look back on it. And uh, it's, it's time to, to, to stand up and, and win a physical grind against a, a big, strong team. Uh, but a team I'm not really that that impressed with Geelong. I'm not really surprised the way they're travelling. Um, there's experienced and then there's getting into Dad's army territory. And, <laughs> with, with the guys they've picked up, but all their existing players are a year old. I mean, look how old sort of Selwood and... Dangerfield and Blixarves and even like Reece Stanley and Henderson, Gary Rowan, Dalhouse is some very very old old legs in that team. I think this, that's showing that this season. And yeah, I think we're going to give them another punch this season, but it's going to be close. Uh, I'll back us in by uh, a seven point margin. Um, one to watch will be uh, one for the ages on the commentary. Looking forward <laughs> to tuning in for that. <laughs> plugging the commentary as well. Keep plugging, gents. Keep plugging away with the commentary. Uh, best player on the ground for yourself, KK? Jack Redden to back up last week. And it's going to be really important. We're going to have to match them physically in the clinches and on the ground to, to win this. So if we win, Jack Redden's going to be key. Miguel, for yourself, is this the week that the Eagles say, yep, we're for real 2021, it's back on the rails? 
Uh, yeah, I'm picking us because I don't want to tip against us because last time I did that, you yelled at me and I'm very fragile. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for all the reasons that KK said, uh, yeah, I'll say we'll win by um, by three points, which is the same margin as uh, back in 2006. And uh, best of field will be uh, Tim Kelly going back to his old stomping ground and, uh, and yeah, showing the cats why they were so keen to hang on to him. Very nice. Very nice tipping, gentlemen. Uh, for myself... The rule is still in place. I'm the kiss of death. I have been the furthest away from the correct result every single week. And so I continued that trend last week by tipping Collingwood. Kiss of death worked. I'm hoping it backs up and works again this week. So for the record, Geelong will win by 30, but Brad Shepard will be the best player on the ground. And I look forward to you all gloating next week. I would love to be wrong. That'll do it from us for this week from the podcast. We will be back later in the week for some live commentary, as we have made sure to mention throughout this call. But in the meantime, KK, thank you very much for coming on the weekly show. No problem. Can I rely on you for the Tim Kelly against the team that didn't want him when he kicks a goal? Absolutely. Lock it in. Lock it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to script any lines, but I will pencil that one in. I'll try and remember to say that when he kicks his first of four. What do we reckon? Yeah, 30 and 3. Who picked him for 30 and 3 last week? Keys constantly. 30 and 3, nice. baby. Yeah, 30 and 3. Miguel on the show once more. Thank you very much for coming in and sharing your insights. Yeah, no problem. And um, did you mention the live commentary happening on Saturday? No, there's a live commentary happening, happening on Saturday. So follow us on social media and we will send out a link. Click on that link. Listen to us call the game the right way. Piss off Channel 7. Piss off Fox Footy. And uh, just join us for the ride. Good call, Miguel. That one nearly slipped through the cracks. Until next time, guys, we will hopefully join you on Saturday. We will definitely join you next week for the podcast as well. And fingers crossed we're looking back on what could be quite a historic win for the West Coast Eagles. Bye now. Bye. Go Eagles.